Hello, and welcome to First Baptist Church. Let's pray together. Lord, now as we turn to your word, we pray that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. We also pray that your will would be done in us. Lord, that you would transform us by the renewing of our minds so that when we leave this place, we would leave different. More like Jesus. For it's in his precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. So I have to tell you, sometimes God changes our plans. And you have probably found that in your life, that you think you're headed in one direction and, and God leads you in a different direction. Life sometimes leads you in a different direction than what you're expecting. And uh, so this past Monday, I was performing my Memorial Day ritual. And it involves a pressure washer and a sunburn on the back of my neck. That's what happens for me on Memorial Day. But as I was, I was, I was pressure washing and praying, and I was going to lead us this summer through a series on Elijah and Elisha. It's one of my favorite things to preach ever. Um, amazing what God did through these prophets and how he changed individual lives, but also changed the world through the ministry of Elijah and Elisha. But as I was pressure washing and praying, it just seemed very clear that that's not what the Lord wanted for us to do this summer. And maybe it's because we are still reeling from the context of a pandemic and still reeling from the context of all the other things because there were other things that accompanied the pandemic, but they all kind of get lumped together. That on a worldwide scale, on a national scale, and on the scale of our commonwealth, on the scale of our community, that, that we collectively went through some things together and we're still... We're still feeling it. You can tell. You can tell. How quickly does it take people to go off? People are kind of sitting on the edge of a, of a breakdown just about all the time. Some minor thing can set people off. Can it happen? Well, that's evidence. That's a symptom of something that's going on deeper. But then also, not only have we collectively gone through a lot, we individually have gone through a lot. I'm looking around this room and I just want you to know some of you are, are walking a road you never would have chosen. You're walking a desert road that feels very dry and weary and it's very difficult right now. And, and maybe other people know about it and maybe nobody does. But here's the thing about our God. Just as the Egyptians who were enslaved in, or the Israelites who were enslaved in Egypt were God's people and God saw them and God heard their cries and God knew what was going on and, and God was working in ways they couldn't then perceive to bring about their deliverance. They had no idea that God would raise up Moses, that after 40 years of watching sheep in the wilderness, he would be the instrument in the Redeemer's hands to lead them out of captivity and into freedom. They had no idea that was going on, but God knew. And all they knew was that the job was hard and getting harder, that their taskmasters were mean and getting meaner. Where was God when all this was going on? When, and maybe that's where you are right now. now. You might not raise your hand and admit it in a Sunday school class, but maybe that's where you are today. Where is, where is God when all this is going on? Well, here's what I want you to know. He's working in ways you cannot now perceive. He's working in ways that are too wonderful for you and I to understand, but he's working. And so this summer, instead of looking at the lives of Elijah and Elisha, 
We're going to look at what it means to connect with God through prayer. It's funny, we were shooting an interview several months ago, and Cheryl Beckley asked me a question. We were trying to get the rest of the cameras set up, and and we were getting a sound check, and she thought it would be more interesting. Instead of me counting, she just asked me a question. And and I don't know if you remember this. I'll never forget it. She said, who is your audience when you speak? Like, who are you speaking to? And what came forward was just, just without thinking, anybody who needs hope. That's who I'm speaking to. And the truth of it is, That's you. That's also me. That's travelers on a journey in a sin-fallen world dealing with life circumstances. Circumstances that sometimes jump up and bite you. You didn't see them coming. Hope. And here's the good news I know. And here's the good news about which I have to remind myself repeatedly. And I would invite you to remind yourself repeatedly that there is a source of true and lasting hope, and his name is Jesus. There is a source of true and lasting hope that no matter what you are walking through, if you are in Jesus Christ, you do not walk through that journey alone, for he is with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. Lo, he said, I am with you always. And when is always? It's always. And so I don't know about you, but sometimes I need to be reminded that always is always, and his promise is true, and even when I can't sense him, he's there. But here's what I love about Jesus, the only source of our true and lasting hope, is our Lord opens his arms. And the text for today, and we're going to several different texts, but the the driver for today is there at the bottom of your notes. It's Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. It is Jesus speaking, and he says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is one of my favorite pictures of the Savior because it pictures his arms open saying, come to me. Who's he calling? Us. All of us. He opens his arms and says to a world that is hurting, come to me. Come and find salvation. Yes, absolutely. Come to Christ and find salvation. Just as Gabe professed in the waters of baptism this morning, there is one Savior, one way, one truth, one life. His name is Jesus. He invites everyone to come to God the Father through him. And he is the way, the only way. But let me tell you about the only way's attitude toward you. His arms are open to you. Now, you don't get to bypass him and do it your way. If you are offended that there's only one way to heaven and you don't want to come through Jesus, that's your prerogative. But God has made a single way. The Bible says the way is wide that leads to destruction and the way is narrow that leads to eternal life. Why is it so narrow? Because it passes through the span of one human being, Jesus Christ. But that human being who is God in flesh has his arms open to you and he's calling, come to me. What are the prerequisites? 
He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. It doesn't take long to just look around and find that there's a lot of weariness, heavy burdens on our fellow human beings' backs right now. Amen? Have you found that? Yeah. In fact, you don't even have to leave the house. You can just open up social media and you see it. It's on display. A lot of times it's on display as anger, rage, mad that the world is the way that it is, unable to change it, so I'm just going to vent right here on Facebook because that might do something. It doesn't. In fact, it does more negative than it does positive. But I want you to hear God is here. So we're going to ask a lot of questions over the next several weeks, questions like, how do I talk to God? How do I listen to God? How do I walk by faith? How do I wait upon the Lord? How do I lament? How do I praise? How do I rest in God? And so I hope that you'll come back because it's not going to be my best answer. It's going to be what God's Word says. And God's Word instructs us, transforms us, changes us, and draws us unto its author. But today we're going to start with this question. Why should I pray? And here's the theme. I should pray. You can take that with you today. If that's all you get out of today's message, just take that and let that guide you. I should pray. I should pray. Because the Savior has opened his arms and said, come to me. All right, I want to give you several verses, different passages in the Bible. You can write these down. But the first point is this. I should pray because I can. And I want to call your attention to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. In another translation, it says, May we boldly approach the throne of grace. And within the context in which the writer of Hebrews is saying this, it is a, a shocking revelation because... The writer of Hebrews has just talked about the Word of God being living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and laying bare all things that, that we will appear before God. And do you know how many secrets we keep from God? Zero. We won't go before God with anything behind our backs. He knows it all. That's scary and comforting all at the same time. He knows everything about you and loved you enough to send His Son for you anyway. How about that? We have no secrets before him, and we will be laid bare before him. So why would we boldly approach, we bunch of sinners, why would we boldly approach the one before whom we are laid bare, who has the right and the responsibility as God overall to rightly judge us for our sin? Well, here's why. It comes in the verses just before. This is Hebrews 4.14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, let us therefore, let us in light of Jesus, with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Sometimes we look at prayer as something we should do, perhaps something we ought to do, something that, frankly, we could probably do better. 
Have you ever found yourself there? God doesn't want us to see prayer as something we should do or ought to do or could probably do better. He wants us to see prayer as the grand invitation of Almighty God to say, bring what's weighing you down to me. I can help. Bring what's weighing you down to me. I can help. Maybe you've been in the hospital before. And they gave you that, that thing that's connected to your bed with that red button on it. You know the red button I'm talking about? It's the help button. How many of you have been stubborn and said, well, I know they're busy. I'll just lay here and suffer. Do you know that's, that's why they're there? So you can push that button while you're suffering, and they can come and make it better. But so often I find myself wanting to be like a stubborn hospital patient laying in a bed, not wanting to hit the, hit the button to get some help. Do you know that God is most honored by you when you call out to him for help? Because when you call out to him for help, you are saying, God, you are God, I am not. You are able, I am not. Please, in your omnipotent power, help me. And you know what God does? He loves to help his children. He loves to help his children. Sometimes I get asked, well, what about unbelievers? Does God hear their prayers? And, and there's evidence back and forth in the Bible, but, but here's what we do know, that our sin separates us from God. And he has made one way by which we can come to him, and it is through his son. So let me ask you a question. If you don't believe in him anyway, why would you pray to him when the heat's on? Now, step one is, is come to the one who is calling to you. Come to him. And maybe, listen, maybe you're coming to him in crisis. And I've heard people say all the time, well, I've lived my life without Jesus, and now that things are bad, I don't want to be that guy that comes to him when it's hard. Again, that's exactly what he wants. That's exactly what he wants. When it's hard, come to him. Even if for the first time, come to him. Do you know what he'll do? He'll listen. He'll welcome you. He'll hug you. You remember the son who ran off on his own? Jesus told a parable. We call it the parable of the prodigal son. He just wanted his daddy's inheritance. He didn't need his daddy anymore, so he got the money and he ran and he wasted it all right away. You remember that story? And when he got to the bottom of the barrel, he said, well, this is terrible. The servants in my father's house live better than this. I'm going to go home. He concocted a speech. He was going, you know, look, I don't deserve to be your kid. I don't, let me be as one of your hired hands. And what did the father do? Well, the Bible says that while he was still a long way off, the father saw him. You know what that means? It means the father was looking. You don't see somebody that's a long way off if you're not looking for him. And while he was still a long way off, this father did what was utterly undignified in those days. He girded his loins. He pulled his robe up and tied it around his legs and took off running. And before the boy could even get his speech out, what happened? The father fell upon him, embraced him, celebrated that he had come home, called to kill the fatted calf. For my son was gone, but now he's back. He was dead, but now he lives. Can I tell you, that's how God looks at you and me. And so you may say, well, it's been a while. God does not care that it's been a while if you will come to him now. You know what he'll do? He's not going to sit there and, well, you did this, and you did this, and you did this. Matter of fact, you may have already written your speech for God. He's not going to let you get it out. Just come to him. Why should I pray? Because I can. 
because I can. Second point, Jeremiah 33.3 is our text for this point. The point is this, I should pray because God is able. Jeremiah 33.3, God is speaking. He says, call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. The context for this passage comes at the, the back end of Jeremiah 32. That's how it works. In Jeremiah 32, 17, Jeremiah prayed to the Lord saying, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. And then again in Jeremiah 32, verses 26 and 27, about nine or ten verses later, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? And the answer, of course, is no. One of my mentors in the faith died a quarter century before I was born, but I wrote about a 350-page book about him, a guy named Dawson Trotman, who founded a ministry known as the Navigators, ministered to Navy men during World War II, and that spread out all around the world and went to, from the Navy to the Army to military bases all around the world. And Dawson Trotman's a hero of mine. I never got to meet him, but in talking about this particular verse, he says this, in the previous chapter, Jeremiah had said to the Lord, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Ten verses later, the Lord says to Jeremiah, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Then just a few verses later, he says, All right, if you believe me, call unto me, and I will answer. What is your need this morning? Is it bigger than God? It's not. Is God able? Oh, he is. In fact, in James, Jesus' brother tells us, you do not have because you do not ask. So Satan may be telling you, don't, don't ask God that. That's too trivial, that's too small, or that's too big. Take it to him. God is able. I should pray because God is able. The third point. I should pray because God is God. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, Paul brings his own prayer to an end by saying this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Notice that Paul in ascribing goodness and worth and glory to Almighty God, says that he is able to do more than we ask for. He is able to do more than we think he can. In fact, he's able to do more than we can think of. He's able to do more, the NIV would translate it, than we can ask or imagine because he is God and he is able. So I should pray because God is God. And I'm going to tell you, I've gotten to a point where I pray with people. I've done that this morning several times. God, you know more about this situation than we do. And so we ask that you would intervene in ways that we don't even know to ask for. Lord, please move. Please bring healing. Please, please bring comfort. Please bring strength. Please bring peace that passes all understanding. He is God, and he is therefore able to do more than we can ask for, more than we even think to imagine. 
I should pray because God is able, but I should pray because God is God. He's invited me to pray. Well, the last point. Go to Matthew chapter 7, the last, last chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. And the point is this. I should pray because God loves me. I should pray because God loves me. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I told you the other day that one of the most formative non-Bible books in my life is a book called Knowing God by J.I. Packer, Packer. And this one little sentence changed my life. We talk about the name of God, and you go back to the Old Testament, you've got the tetragrammaton, yod heh vav uh, We add vowels and, and say Yahweh, that Yahweh is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the, the true and living God. He is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But Packer sets forth this assertion based on Jesus' teaching that the Christian name for God is Father. The Christian name for God is Father. God's very identity toward us is in that relationship to us He assumes through the grace of Himself expressed through His Son. Your relationship with your earthly father may have been phenomenal. Or it may have been complicated, could have been horrible, or it may have been non-existent. But I have to tell you that no matter your relationship with your earthly father, your earthly father was frail, sinful, fallen, imperfect. You have a father in the heavens who knit you together who made you on purpose, with purpose, for purpose. You are not an accident. God made you. God brought you forth. And God has a purpose for your life. And the primary purpose for your life is that you would know him, and that he would know you, and that you would be in relationship with him, that you would find rest for your soul in him. Father. James tells us that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Romans 8.28 tells us that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. And my friend Dawson Trotman reminds us of this based on Matthew chapter 7 verses 7 through 11 that we just read that compels us to ask and seek and knock because our Heavenly Father knows how to give good gifts to His children. He says prayer is not conquering God's reluctance but laying hold of His willingness. Prayer is not conquering God's reluctance but laying hold of His willingness. So I should pray because I can in Jesus Christ the way has been made I come to him in Jesus name I should pray because God is able I should pray because God is God he's able to do more than I can even imagine 
And I should pray because God, my Father, through Jesus Christ, loves me. He really does. If today you are not connected to Jesus, know that his posture toward you is one of open arms saying, come to me. You're weary, you're heavy laden, come to me. I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Come to me. Today, come to Jesus and find hope. Hope that transcends this moment. Hope that transcends space and time. Hope that will lead you to eternal rest in Him.